Choices, 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 choices. Pain, suffering, ache, torture. How long till it's all over? Maybe those thoughts have passed through someone's mind when they had to go through an awful disease in which there was no cure. Maybe decisions were made in the spur of a moment. Maybe it was too much to handle and they just wanted to finally rest. There are many reasons, yet they all lead to a deadly result. I'm Joyce Grace and this is Shots of Endorphins. This has been one of the heaviest topics I brushed upon, and y'all know I've done really tough topics already, but this one is a heavily loaded one. In this episode, we will be brushing up on the history of euthanasia, or how others dubbed it as a good death. Now remember y'all, all information was gathered by various resources for educational purposes. First off, what does euthanasia mean? Well, euthanasia is described as the painless killing of a patient suffering from an incurable and painful disease or in an irreversible coma by using a large quantity of a substance called pentobarbital. The euthanasia envelopes various stages from active, which is introducing something to cause death, to passive, where it's to withhold treatment or supportive measures. Voluntary, which is consent given by a patient, to involuntary, receiving consent from the guardian of the patient, and physician-assisted, where physicians prescribe the medicine and patient or the third party administers the medication to cause death. Now that we all know the basics, this practice called euthanasia is a term surrounded by countless questions and concerns. Mind you, this meaning is covering several other practices that aim to either voluntarily or involuntarily take the life of another that is judged to be in severe physical pain as a way to show mercy for the individual or for the good of the whole. But throughout history, euthanasia has brought many reactions across the world. It's not a cultural discovery that was created by technological advances, but its origin traced as far back as 1st century Rome. And although this practice has survived for centuries, it has changed with cultural values and technology. The word euthanasia was coined long after it was practiced by the philosopher Francis Bacon in the 17th century. Euthanasia comes from the Greek word for good death. Many ancient Greek and Roman philosophers considered suicide as a good death. Gaius Plinius Secundus, also known as Pliny the Elder, was a Roman author, naturalist, and natural philosopher, viewed suicide as the greatest gift given men by God. According to Pliny, suicide was a triumph over fate and symbolized man's autonomy. This attitude towards death spread through ancient Roman and Greek culture. People frequently would ask their physicians to either supply them with the means of suicide or actually hasten their deaths through medical intervention by giving them poison. Both ancient Romans and Greeks rejected the notion that all people should have equal rights. 
certain people, i.e. educated men and political figures, were thought to merit more respect, honor, and privilege than others. As a result, the weak and feeble were not afforded many rights. So among these unrecognized rights, one was rights to life. Therefore, these ancient cultures rejected the idea of the sanctity of life. Abortion, infanticide, and the killing of those deemed mentally feeble were common practices during this time. Over the coming centuries, however, Jewish and Christian influence would later persuade that this practice was abominable. Jewish and Christian notions about the sanctity of life and the inherent worth of the individual spread, euthanasia became increasingly rejected. In stark contrast to Roman and Greek culture, people from Christian and Jewish backgrounds held that all people are created in the image of God and therefore worthy of respect and care. As Christianity and Judaism spread, their influence grew and affirmed the legitimacy of the Hippocratic Oath. Alright, so a little bit about the historically famous physician. Between 460 and 377 BC, Hippocrates of Kos is universally recognized as the father of modern medicine which is based on observation of clinical signs and rational conclusions and does not rely on religious or magical beliefs. Hippocratic medicine was influenced by the Pythagorean theory that nature was made of four elements, water, earth, fire, air. And no, I refuse to quote the avatar here as this is a serious episode, excuse me. And therefore, in an analogous way, the body consisted of four fluids, or humor, black bile, yellow bile, phlegm, and blood. The physician had to reinstate the healthy balance of these humors by facilitating the healing work of benevolent nature. Now, the Hippocratic Oath contains the Pythagorean duties of justice, secrecy, respect for teachers, and solidarity with peers. The clinical and ethical basics of medical practice as well as most clinical terms used even today have their origins in Hippocrates. Although it is not specifically known when this oath was written, it is widely attributed to the physician Hippocrates and is dated anywhere from the 5th to the 3rd century BC. In the oath, it is stipulated that one should not give a fatal drug to anyone if asked nor suggest any such thing. Although this oath was written in antiquity, it is clear that it was seldom adhered to in the ancient medical community. Ancient culture and thought were revolutionized by both the Jewish diaspora and the emergence of Christianity. Many pastors, reverends, and fathers in a couple of centuries in AD rejected Athanasia and deemed it as another form of homicide. It was an affront to God. According to this view, those who practice it are committing murder and those who receive it are rejecting the gift of life given by God. Other world religions within the first millennium, such as Hinduism, Sikhism, Buddhism, and Islam, held that it was wrong for one to kill themselves or others in order to relieve misery. It was not until the early modern era around the 15th and 16th century that people began to take an interest in both euthanasia and suicide once again. 
But many countries, like the Islamics and the Turkish, banned the practice of euthanasia. It was a murderous and inhumane to their eyes, and they condemned the action to the point that they made it illegal. A recent survey in Turkey showed that 78% of patients and 63% of physicians take a view that at least one form of euthanasia should exist. These laws recognized a provoked murder, manslaughter, murder of a child at birth, incitement to suicide and assisted suicide, and unlawful termination of pregnancy. Therefore, all those deprivations of life which does not fall within these specially defined fall under ordinary murder. In this way, they observe euthanasia. According to it, who deprive another person of life shall be punished with imprisonment at at least five years. Maximum is 25 years of imprisonment. But if the crime is committed under mitigating circumstances, the offender shall be punished from one to eight years. Cultural interest was sparked, and people became keenly interested in suicides in an era of unprecedented sociological, technological, scientific, and cultural advancement. New world powers were emerging at this time, and people gradually disregarded church authority, looking to progress as their god. Traditional views towards suicide and death were challenged in Shakespearean plays. Leaders of the scientific revolution during this time remained suspiciously quiet and rarely addressed the morality of suicides and assisted deaths. As a result, cultural aversions to suicide and euthanasia was beginning to normalize to the 17th century. It was during this time that the term euthanasia was first coined. This term, interestingly, signifies a shift in cultural thought. No longer did people refer to assisted death using the term for self-murder. Now they use the term euthanasia, literally meaning good death. By 1938, the Euthanasia Society of America, whom later changed their names to Society of the Rights to Die (SRD for short), was founded in New York with the goal to gain social and legal acceptance for the right to kill vulnerable human beings. And by that, I mean people that the organization called mental defectives and incurables. If you ask me, that sounds a little. Or maybe a lot messed up, and I honestly can't really imagine who would join that group. But that's just me. Anyway, within the next year, in 1939, the ESA tried to legalize euthanasia, but they kept getting rejected left and right, so they changed their tactics. By 1967, the ESA leaders realized that to be successful, they first had to change both medical ethics and public morals. So they launched a massive educational campaign called the Living Will First Advancement Directive Form as the foot in the door for social and legal acceptance of euthanasia. In 1976, SRD had two groundbreaking successes. California's Natural Death Act became Living Wills, the first advance directive for health care, were now legal documents in one state, and to push was to legalize them in every state. The second state was New Jersey when the Supreme Court decided the first right to die case. 
Karen Ann Quinian, a young woman with severe brain damage, was on a ventilator for several months. Her parents wanted the ventilator removed so Karen would die, but the hospital refused to do so. The court ruled in favor of her parents on the basis of a constitutional right of privacy, arguing that this unwritten right is broad enough to encompass a patient's decision to decline medical treatment under certain circumstances. In much the same way as it is broad enough to encompass a woman's decision to terminate pregnancy under certain conditions, this case sets several dangerous precedences, including first court ever to recognize a right to die. The court implied that the decision of another person to refuse treatment for an incompetent patient was the same as a patient's decision that this step went a long way towards obliterating the distinction between voluntary and involuntary euthanasia and weakening legal protection from involuntary euthanasia. Although Karen was removed from the ventilator in 1976, she lived on for almost a decade until her death from untreated pneumonia in 1985. Many movements appeared and had supported euthanasia. With this group, feminism gave rebirth to Hume's notion that euthanasia was an issue of personal liberty. Social workers argued that the right to euthanasia was a liberating as a woman's right to vote, divorce, birth control, and property rights. Support was spreading and it shook many countries, including Europeans and their traditional religious values. As fundamentalism grew in America, skepticism flourished in a post-war Europe. It was not until the 1960s that euthanasia became a polarizing subject. At this time, euthanasia gained global support from foreign and diverse medical organizations. But a London psychiatrist by the name of Dr. Colin Brewer took things to a different level. He addressed American participants at a conference and compared attitudes on euthanasia, abortion, and contraception, explaining how to coerce doctors into cooperating. While many British doctors didn't approve of contraception, he said, First, we ask if they will provide contraception, and we won't pay them unless they do. It's amazing how quickly they change their minds. And let me just take a sec to comment. But can you imagine having to attend a conference with a doctor that introduces this type of practice and in your mind, you are fully rejecting the notion because your life practice has always been to help and save lives until the very end. But here's a guy talking about ending it for the patient like if they're a dog or a pet getting set down your whole life's work to find a way of keeping them alive and this doctor promotes on how to end it? Just think about it. Anyway, in 1998, Michigan passed a law making assisted suicide a crime, which many other states followed as well. By 2004, Compassion in Dying, now headquartered in Oregon, helping people avail themselves of legal PAS and end-of-life choices, formerly the Hemlock Society, headquartered in Denver, Colorado, merged to become Compassion in Choices. Yeah, they changed their names. Again. It seems that they'd keep changing their names each decade or so, like movie stars on the run, if I'm gonna be honest. But now we need to understand something. It is impossible not to mention some characteristics of this issue, which should be taken into account. First of all, it should be said that the question of euthanasia has some psychological and physiological unique features. 
Psychological aspects are connected with the state of consciousness of a person. The person will find themselves vulnerable and think they need this procedure and also relieve the state of consciousness of their close people. That is why this desire cannot be taken for sure 100%. The same deals with the patient's relative. Their desire can be influenced by the idea to seize the suffering of their close loved one. The physiological aspect is also complicated and closely coupled with the previous one. Constant and strong pain can influence the brain of a person and prevent them from making the correct choice. That is why the person's desire can't be taken for granted. With this in mind, something can happen. A special treatment for a person's disease could be found, especially in this time and age we're living in. One more argument which opposing side of euthanasia gives is connected with the law. People say that the justice system of any state prohibits murders. Euthanasia is often taken as legalized murder. Think about it. It's one of the reasons people accuse adherers of euthanasia of having double standards. It is strongly prohibited for a person to kill a man, though it is totally okay and possible to do it with their consent. It's finally time to start firing up the grill. From city to shore, Acme is everything you need to prep for this summer season. Download the Acme app to shop for this season's essentials any way you want. Open the Acme app, clip your deals, then order your items online. An experienced Acme associate will carefully select your groceries, bag your order, and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door. Download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program details. Man, didn't I tell y'all this one was a toughie? Making that decision is hard. Maybe you're the receiver that needs a way out. Or you're the onlooker that needs to make a decision. It's hard, and I won't lie. But in the end, as much as people oppose to it, being politically incorrect, and I'm saying this because I'm a straightforward person and say it like it is, it's basically a suicidal assistance. You can change the name many different ways, but it's still the same. Life is tough. I don't doubt it for one second. But it's beautiful too. I don't want to end it on a judgy note because only the person going through it knows what they have to go through. But I do want to say this. If you are ever in this situation, whatever position it is, just know that you're not alone. Stay strong and courageous. And remember... The Creator loves you. This episode on Shots of Endorphins was produced by me, Joyce Grace, and a shout out to my research team. Shots of Endorphins has its very own website, so you can visit and listen to the podcast at shotsofendorphins.com. You can help support us by clicking on the support tab as well. Also, you can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching up Shots of Endorphins or subscribing to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other streaming services you're listening to. And when you do, don't forget to shoot me a greeting. It's nice to meet new people. As always, thanks for listening. And don't forget to smile. It's-
It's finally time to start firing up the grill. From city to shore, Acme is everything you need to prep for this summer season. Download the Acme app, the shop for this season's essentials, any way you want. Open the Acme app, clip your deals, then order your items online. An experienced Acme associate will carefully select your groceries, bag your order, and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door. Download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program details.